0: chapter 3 of the garden god a tale of two boys by forest reed this librivox recording is in the public domain the garden god a tale of two boys by forest reed chapter 3 on a fallen stone under a shelter of rough loosely piled wall Graham sat. All around him, the landscape stretched, field after field, bleak and bare in the cold wintry light of a February afternoon, while dark, heavy clouds blew like puffs of smoke across the dull gray sky. From time to time, a passing breath of wind shivered through the dry grass, and from time to time, A pale yellowish light, like a dim reflection of some wan remote sunshine, washed through the clouds, brightening the country for a few moments. The boy's chin was supported between his hands, and he gazed out across the monotonous fields and naked hedges, listlessly, a little sadly, thinking of home of the past he felt tired there was a dampness a heaviness in the air which weighed upon his spirit and something of his dejection was visible in the mere drooping of his head he had passed from the golden quiet of his home into the midst of a large public school into a busier noisier world Where the real and the ideal no longer melted into a single dreamy haze and when he looked back across the narrow stream of time those few intervening weeks he could not but marvel at its depth his former life had fallen from him like the sinking of a picture in the fire and he knew that it would never come again It was over finished done with how strange yet when he closed his eyes it unrolled itself like a broad scroll clear in every detail then when the voice of water and the whisper of the wind in the trees and in the grass had been for him almost as the sound of human voices the broad open sky and sea as the sight of human faces then when such things had seemed to have the power to speak to him directly to speak from their own soul to his when pan and his followers had been in every thicket by the way (sighs) Ah, gazing back upon it all from his present position he found time to wonder, to wonder gravely, doubtfully, if that clear, pure atmosphere would ever droop its wings above him, if things would ever be again, even for a little, as before. Those long, peaceful summer days and cool, lingering evenings. When he had sat upon the steps beside his father watching him smoke his pipe and chattering to him of the different ideas and plans that danced or lingered in his mind while the trees seemed to rest so softly in the quiet air so softly against the sky a sudden wild longing for it all for all his old life arose within him and in a passion of homesickness he flung himself down in the swaying sapless grass and seemed to hear the moaning of a sea that was breaking miles and miles away upon a curved rocky shore to hear the harsh screams of the seagulls as they flew restlessly over the gray bare waste of water and dipped to the tumbling waves all at once he was aroused by a footfall a rustle in the grass and still half blinded by his dream turned to face the intruder what is the matter can i help you at all the words were very gently spoken and came to Graham with a curious familiarity and charm. But instead of answering, he sat quite still, gazing fixedly at the stranger, his color gradually deepening. Fascinated, spellbound, his lips parted, his eyes opened wide. He hardly dared to move, lest the vision should vanish. For some moments, indeed, he scarce drew his breath. For some moments, it seemed as though his whole vital force were concentrated into one long, steadfast gaze. He who stood before him, nevertheless, was but a boy of about his own age and height, though more slightly built. For Graham, however... He was beautiful as an angel was in truth a kind of angel a son of the morning his skin contrasting with the broad linen coat he wore was of that dark olive brown hue which the greeks and their own boys believed to be indicative of courage his eyes were blue and dark and clear his nose straight, his mouth extraordinarily fine, delicate, his dark hair, soft and silky, falling in a single great wave over his shapely forehead. Who are you? Graham faltered. The boy began to blush a little, then to smile. My name is Brocklehurst, harold brocklehurst why do you look at me so strangely his question made graham suddenly conscious of his rudeness and also of the childishness and the impossibility of the idea that had flooded into his mind i did not mean to he stammered covered with confusion I beg your pardon then with his eyes lowered you remind me very much of someone i know it is rather queer and and you took me by surprise i was so unprepared unprepared yes i was thinking of him of the other when you came up you don't understand of course it is the extraordinary likeness and it is extraordinary he could not help looking at the boy again but likeness to whom brocklehurst wondered and why should it startle you ah to whom graham echoed enigmatically his strange fancy still hung there in the air before him hung about his interlocutor like a light like a blaze of dazzling sunlight i don't know he softly added you don't know brocklehurst paused just a little taken aback then as he noticed the other's seriousness he began to laugh (laughs) aren't you a rather queer fellow he suggested with a kind of charming easiness we are both a little queer graham answered at least i beg your pardon oh it's all right You see, I have known you for so long that, that, his explanation, whatever it might have been, died away. You mean you really have known me? Then you must have met me somewhere before today. He tried to recall the occasion, but without success. It was not here. Graham went on, slowly, gravely. I, I can't tell you. He looked with a wistful, questioning helplessness into his companion's face. If I were to tell you, should you laugh? I don't know. At any rate, you want to tell me? Yes, I want to. Well, fire away, then. It is something that is rather hard for me to say. It will make you think me so childish, so silly. You see, you couldn't very well believe it unless... unless you yourself were to remember, just as I do, unless it were true. Brocklehurst glanced at him quickly. Remember seeing you somewhere, but I may easily have forgotten. As a matter of fact, I have forgotten. So now. Yes, so now but i know you for all that the sound of your voice even the way you speak and stand there i only came back this morning i do not think you were here before christmas graham shook his head it was not here he murmured then suddenly gathering courage and with his eyes half closed it was far away in a garden i can't tell you i can't Uh, uh, unless you help me it slips from me so quickly when i try to reach it it fades from me though i know it is still there there somewhere he smiled a little timidly do you wonder what I am talking about? I am only trying to remember a dream, a dream I have had so often. And I have something to do with it? Oh, yes, everything. He spoke quietly, simply. You are always there, you know. It belongs to you as much as it belongs to me you have been meeting me there for years there was that in his voice which made brocklehurst with exquisite tact look carefully away from him i don't quite follow you he said softly i don't think i quite know what you mean my meaning is only that graham replied Only what I have just told you. He paused, as if trying to make it out more clearly for himself. Don't you sometimes dream? He asked. Yes, of course. Well, has it never seemed to you that there must be another world than this we are living in now? a world outside this i mean but still a a real world a dreamland call it what you like yes a dreamland but while we are there you know it is the real world but while we are there it is the real world there is no other Brocklehurst looked at him curiously. But you don't believe that, do you? Yes, I believe it. Or I used to believe it. There is something about it in the Theaetetus of Plato. You have read Plato? Only a little. I used to read him with my father and that is where you got your idea oh no i have always had it it has been like a part of my life you see my dreams are rather peculiar i go back in them always to the same place this garden and i carry the memory of one life with me into the other do you understand now i can't put it any plainer because i am a little confused myself some day it may become clearer and i may be able to tell you better well till then and brocklehurst drew himself up onto the wall and drummed with his heels against the stones till then do you talk in this way to everyone you mean i had better not how should i talk to other people when even you do not understand me the other boy was silent he was thinking what was i like he asked presently in your dreams, I mean. Then quickly, and before his companion could reply. No, you need not tell me. You do not care for me to talk to you in this way? Graham questioned half sadly, and with a strange feeling of loneliness creeping over him. You beautiful, he whispered under his breath. More beautiful than anyone I have ever seen. A long silence followed. If Brocklehurst were surprised by his new friend's last words, he at least showed nothing. The wind stirred faintly above their heads, and a flock of rooks flew homeward, across the gray sky it was already getting late the world seemed to have floated into a clinging frosty haze through which a golden moon gleamed rising slowly above the bare desolate fields we had better get going back brocklehurst said it is getting dark they walked slowly toward the school through the gathering dusk, to feel his companion close beside him and to be alone with him like this gave Graham an exquisite pleasure. If only he could be brave enough to put his hand upon his shoulder. All the way home, he kept telling himself he would do so when they reached such and such a point in the road. But each time, A curious shyness deterred him. Each time his courage failed him. And when they at last reached the school, and his opportunity was gone, he felt as if he had allowed something precious and unrecoverable to slip away forever. End of chapter 3